Hello, and welcome to Las Doctoras podcast, bringing you conversations about race, gender, sexuality, reproductive justice, and so much more. I am Dr. Renee Limas, gender pronouns she, her. I am Dr. Christina Rose, gender pronouns she, her, hers. In this podcast, we are going to share space with women and other people of color to discuss ways to dismantle all systems of oppression, including white supremacist, capitalistic, cis-heteronormative patriarchy. We imagine ourselves sitting at the table in our abuelita's house, sharing a pot of frijoles de la olla and chasing that with a shot of tequila, all while thinking up revolutionary ideas. That's the sentiment we hope to bring you, and we invite you to join us on this journey. Bienvenidos. Hello, welcome to episode five. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on an intro because um, I want to get straight into Christina's flow and birth story, which is so beautiful and so amazing. Uh, She had so much courage to be so vulnerable in telling her story. And I think that um, both our stories are different in ways and similar in ways. And I am just so inspired by the vulnerability that uh, Christina had in sharing not just her flow and birth story, but a lot of the context for, you know, her experiences. I think that's, it's so amazing and it's so important. I really love the way that um, Christina talks about, she kind of references astrology and references other parts of her spirituality. And I really love the way she kind of normalizes that language and it sort of gives her context for her experience and she's able to look back on it retrospectively and and have a certain perspective. And I just think that that's so beautiful. I do want to say a few things. Um, I hope you can excuse when we were recording this, my throat was a little scratchy. So there's a lot of clearing of the throat. So if you can excuse some of that. And also we did end up recording her story over two different days. So you'll hear a little bit of a difference in the background noise. And um, in the second part, you'll, you'll hear uh, Christina's son. <laughs> um, I, in the episode, you'll hear me reference that she's breastfeeding. Um, and it's so beautiful that, you know, he's, he's there with her as she's telling his birth story. So, um, yeah, without further ado, I really hope that you enjoy our episode. Thanks. Okay, Christina, tell us your story. I, I want to start by just saying that it was amazing and I feel like I can, um, I feel really compelled to go in as deep as possible and I'm <laughs> nervous about it and I might cry even. That's so interesting. That's even as I say that, you know, I'm not much of a crier, but I loved when I was pregnant, I cried all the time <laughs> and it felt so cathartic. It really did. Mm-hmm. You know, hearing your story, it made me really think that birth mm-hmm. and birth care was such a game changer, like such mm. a change in my life. Um, and so I feel like I want to talk about this like in two stories, like before and after mm. even, and maybe not even, I even was thinking before I was 30 even, and then after, and mm. with 30 came my PhD program, pregnancy, birth and birth, you know, postpartum care so, and, and that feels like a completely different relationship with my body. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I talk about my first um, menstrual cycle, my first menses, first blood, I don't know. <laughs> I love to like, you know, think of words that I could use to describe that. In, and, and, and kind of that up until 30, I feel like I have small memories, mm. like... I mean, I definitely remember, or actually, I think, I believe that in sixth grade, when I thought I pooped my pants, <laughs> like that memory, I'm assuming that's my first menstrual cycle, mm. but I'm assuming. I don't, I remember feeling embarrassed. Mm. I remember crying. I remember, I think, calling my mother. I, but I don't remember like healing from that. 
from this feeling that said, uh, um, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. I'm so embarrassed that I might have pooped my pants. Mm. And not really having something following that that said anything like, oh, no. Mm. You were beginning this new journey, you know. You yeah. were beginning to bleed and give life or whatever, you know, all those things. Any kind of thing around that, you know. Um, yeah. And... It feels like maybe in the wake of that traumatic feeling, which is small trauma, you know, like, or small, tor- the torture of that or whatever mm-hmm. thing you do out of, like, um, ignorance. Mm. And out of, like, maybe looking back and thinking out of um, needless, a needlessness, you know, like, mm. how 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 could I have been prepared for that? Um Having seen the video, you know, in sixth grade about, you know, the first menstrual cycle oh, and having read, you know, are you there, go with me, Margaret, or something like that, you know. Um, but maybe during that time in my family's life, we were pretty isolated too. So I don't remember talking to my aunt, even though I think if she had been in my life, we would have talked about it mm. or talking to my grandmother I think that my abuela was in New Mexico and my aunt was living maybe like up north and my parents, we were just really isolated in our own way. And then our church community wasn't a place where I felt like that was at all something Mm -hmm. that I could talk about Um, to those where I want to cry about this. Because it feels like after that, I had, I can't remember the cycles after that. Mm -hmm. I feel like um, it was, I just covered it. I um, I, I remember the first tampon experience in high mm. school and a friend showing me how to do it or trying to show me or tell me from the outside of the bathroom and me just being, what? This is so painful. Like, what? Um, and not getting it quite up far enough. So it, it is just painful because it's like writing yeah. right in there. Oh. <laughs> so effing ridiculous, really. Um, and isn't that an interesting conversation about like anatomy Right, that we don't even know enough about our anatomy to put a tampon in. No, we don't. Yeah. I didn't. And, <clears throat> and it makes me so angry, actually, in these moments, too. Both sad for my, like, you know, 12-year-old self. Mm-hmm. And also just really angry. And, like, as a mother, maybe thinking, like, why wasn't, why, why, why didn't yeah. someone, you know, step in for this, this little girl, you know? Um mm. I have always had, in my knowledge, a regular cycle that is mm. kind of in the norm of the 29, 30 days, like, connected to that. Um, I've had some cramps in my life, but I think as soon as um, – soon after, I have a sister that's a couple years younger than I. Um, her her cycles were much more – her cramps were much more extreme, and I – maybe because of the dynamic between us or just because of my own, my own body, um, they just came and went without like kind of a real, a real glance. Mm. I knew, I mean, I used pads for, for all of it. I can't remember where I even got those pads from or anything <laughs> like that. Um, and I remember the first tampon experience. I remember not doing that ever again for a long time. <laughs> Um, nothing taboo about it. Maybe, I don't know, but it wasn't uh, ever offered or available like in my house. My mother, um, and my, and a lot of the women in my family have hysterectomies. Mm. So there wasn't also someone in the house with a regular cycle. Uh Um, but me and then maybe my sister when she joined me. So it wasn't like, so that wasn't a norm. That's interesting. That's really Mm -hmm. interesting. And so your mother had a, had a hysterectomy after my brother was born. So when I was like around eight or so, I think, Uh, okay. Yeah. Oh, and we, we're not going to talk about that now because we don't need to talk about how traumatic that was, I think for everyone. Right. Mm. And just, and her story leading up to it. My mother is, I don't know. We communicate really differently. That's going to say it right now. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, so I wasn't sexually active, so I really didn't kiss anyone till I was in college. This is the world that I grew up in. <laughs> Holding hands leads to sex. <laughs> Dancing leads to sex, right? We've talked a little bit about this. Yeah. Um, and um, even thinking, like, the first kiss was, like, someone took it from me. You know, this is, like, the world. I don't know. Mm. I'm, 
And I wasn't sexually active until like late in college. And um, before then, though, I went to see the doctor, Kaiser at the time. And I remember asking about birth control and getting prescribed Yasmin, Mm -hmm. which has all these complications connected to it. And I took that for a few years. Um, Around that same time, um, I also um, was feeling depressed. I've been traveling a lot for school and I Mm -hmm. came back and my life was really different. Some friends had left and um, I lived like in in Oxford and I lived on, um, in Washington, DC. I mean, I was away for a whole year and I came back and life was different and I, I couldn't cope with it. And, um, I went to therapy for the first time and I don't know, somehow got prescribed Prozac too around the same time. Mm. I remember asking the doctor in my Kaiser session, I think for birth control, I was like, tell me about sex. Like literally I wanted like a sex talk, you know, because I think that's how, that's how far removed a conversation was in the world that I grew up in. Like, no one was talking about it. And was this a female doctor? It was. Okay. And in my memory of that is that she was kind of like, well, I don't know, like, kind of put off by my question. And, like, you'll uh. figure that out, I guess. You know, like, so like how not old there were you, for that. would you say, at that point? 21, 22. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, which is interesting because that's actually a fair question for somebody who's in, like, even if you've been sexually active, right? Like, yeah. Do people even know what sex is about? Right. <laughs> oh, that visit and other visits, you know, beyond that with pap smears and things like that. I had definitely a one uh, a nurse practitioner, I think, tell me my cervix was a little short, like just in general and sex would be painful and things like that. And thinking about that, I think, oh, I probably was, you know, whatever, ovulating or something or not. I was probably getting ready to bleed or something like that. So my cervix, anyways, no, 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 no context for that for me. Just thinking I'm, and for him, and it was a, and it was a a male too. So then anyways, um, so I just feel like my twenties were, um, um, sexual experiences with I I was married at the time I was married for a while and they weren't they weren't great I was on the pill and on Prozac and I had I was actually I was living in Hong Kong too I had moved to Hong Kong with my husband oh this is such a weird story to tell and eventually moved back Got off Yasmin. Maybe I had heard it caused blood clots, and I heard it was mm. complicated. Um, was off of Prozac because I couldn't. I couldn't get it, you know, for a while in Hong Kong or something like that either. And started a master's degree. Had my first experiences outside of this super conservative Christian subculture I had grown up in. Had a new therapist, new conversations with the Women's Resource Center. So I was beginning to realize that. I had been um, raised in such a way and taught in such a way to leave me um, just unable to deal with reality <laughs> wow. and had um, come up with, um, you know, my solution to handling different traumas in my life or different ways of um, navigating those spaces in the church community and in my church world because I went to a, a, a Christian um I went to Biola, right, a Christian university, too, was to disappear into literature. So this is why I became a bookworm. This is why my eyesight's bad and my back is bad. (laughs) No, um, it was my way of coping, which is, you know, pretending like everything's okay, living in other people's lives, um, not being present in my body, not being present in my memories even. And so I definitely have some, you know, um, some experiences, some sexual experiences where uh, an out-of-body experience like I am not there my way of dealing with it was to just to like mentally check, to check out. out you know mm. I mean the whole fight flight or freeze yeah. I'm definitely freeze and then fly you know yeah. and so I've been working on fight for a long time in those moments um I've come a long way I feel like <laughs> um oh my goodness so then I started a PhD program at 30 And I moved into a house with four other women, a farmhouse, and we started a farm in Oxnard. And so I did these things. I love 
I love the trajectory of your life. This like reinvention of myself, I guess, in this moment, right? Um, I was I had been teaching. I finished my master's degree at Long, at Long Beach State. I was teaching English there, and I was also a chaplain for the Interfaith Center. And I was also working at the Women's Resource Center. Did you know this? I didn't know that part, the chaplain part. I was, you know, as a chaplain for the Episcopal Church, I was pretty much just an advocate, right? And an activist for women's rights on campus. I would bring like a labyrinth to do like meditation and things like that. I mean, I grew up in a world where I thought I was going to be a missionary. Wow. Or a pastor's wife. (laughs) Or a Christian novelist or (laughs) something like that. So I I have been a missionary in my life. I feel like I should confess Mm -hmm. that. I was married to someone who was a music pastor. Mm. Um, And um, I haven't read any or written any Christian novels in a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe for the better. Um, I know I was telling some about Christian, you know, romance novels, how I got into reading. They're like, what are those involved? There's I was Christian like, Christian romance novels? No, they're not romance. There's no sex in them. There's no nothing. There's no kissing. It's all like Victorian <laughs> romance novels like, or something like that. Let me look at you. Yeah. Like, ooh, the enticement, right? I mean, there's a reason why I studied Victorian and like romantic literature. It's because that was like the, that, that, was, that was the life you had. That was the life I had. Woo! <clears throat> I was doing all of that. I was teaching, chaplains, doing chaplaincy, and working at the Women's Resource Center on campus. And I was living, like, my dream. It was really nice mm. in that moment. Um, and I had left that marriage. And I had left this abusive marriage that um, I, I also left this church, you know, and I um, for so many reasons, right? A world that said that that's fine. And anyways, that's more stories there. But um, – <laughs> I was getting back into my body. I was engaging in circles with other women and learning about my body a little bit, but just a little. I wasn't sexually active, so I wasn't on anything. I didn't feel the need to be on anything. Mm. And um, I kind of, I think during that time, looked back and thought, maybe it was the Yasmin and Prozac that made me make that such a terrible decision. No, I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm sure it was more, more, more like the brainwashing of my upbringing. <laughs> I was, you know, 27 when I left all that, and I was living this life for about those three years, 27 to 30, and then someone asked me, and this is the middle of the recession too, so there's a sense of we're not going to get any teaching positions. There's no money for these positions Uh, anymore that I love so much, you know? Yeah. So it's time to go back to school. So I applied to some PhD programs, um, and then at the same time, um, a friend asked me to move into a farmhouse with four other women <laughs> and start a CSA program, a com- community-supported agricultural program, mm. start a, a, a farm, a vegetable farm. And one of the PhD programs I got accepted into was semi-distance. So I was like, this is great! <laughs> yes! And my dog could come with me too. So then we all moved to the farm. Wow. And I lived there for a year, and while I lived there, um, I worked on my, my PhD, and um, and then I would go up to San Francisco to work on it um, a little, too, and then I would be back at the farm. And that year, I mean, 30, talk about your Saturn returns, right? <laughs> and this is, like, it was a beautiful year of learning how to, like, talk with other people and break down communication um, bleed together, not bleed together, have those conversations because we're living yeah. together doing like um networking work within like the ventura county area which was awesome built some some really strong friendships and i'm now just telling my life story instead of my bleeding story (laughs) (laughs) no i think i think this is all important because to know it gives context to um your relationship to your flow based on where you were in your life right you know in the phd program which is in women's spirituality, philosophy, and religion. Um, I learned that um, so much in women's epistemologies or ways of knowing the world is connected to the earth. Mm-hmm. Is connected to the moon. Is you know, like this reality. Like oh my, oh the full moon, the new moon. Oh my cycle. Yeah. I know. And I, I during that time, I really felt like. Um, my cycle synced up with the moon, like yeah. in ways that where I was bleeding on the new moon and ovulating on the full moon. Um, 
it was much more heady for me at that time. Now, if I talk about now, it's much more visceral. It's much more my body. Yeah. But during that time, I was like, I'm really connected. Yeah. And I've always had, um, like, I don't know, two heavier days and then two or three light days. That's kind of been my norm. Yeah. Now it's a little different. But um, being a part of circles where we talked about that. Um, where we read stories about like, you know, matriarchal communities or then and now and, and really just for the first time, like touching base with my body. I think yeah. that's why I say after 30, when I lived on the farm and I studied in this program, I feel like a new relationship with my body, a deeper mm-hmm. connection. Even that goes also to like my, who am I attracted to? Mm. What, how do I know I'm attracted to someone, you know? <laughs> what are those feelings? Because also, I think pre-30, I was attracted to people who were attracted to me. Oh. I think that's how, um, maybe, that's a story, right? That's a story. Yeah. Like, this person seeks you out. These people seek you out. Who are you attracted to? And never really coming to a sense of knowing myself. Yeah. I mean, knowing myself and my body and my cycle, but knowing, like, actually, what do I find attractive? Yeah. Like, what... And I think for the first time during that time, I, like, asked people out, you know? Mm. Um, I will say in the transition time between these two different lives, I learned how to salsa dance. Um, (laughs) I think that that's – I want to give credit to it because it it really got me in my body too. I learned I love to salsa. I liked being touched but not, like, too much, you know? Uh. And I liked being able to say, no, thank you. I – don't want to dance with you again, you know? Yeah. But I never said no, you know, like, or I had never learned yeah. how to say no in those contexts either, or yeah. to say, Hey, do you want to dance? You know, yeah. um, life, life skills. <laughs> um, I think during this time, like, um, um, in the, my, my early thirties, I was coming into like, Oh, this is my, this is my sexual body too. Right. Yeah. I remember going to circles and um, women's circles and like, what is your intention for this season? What are, and I would be like, I want to be like passionate, sexual Christina Rose, you know, like what does that even look like? You know, I'm a Virgo. <laughs> I have Gemini rising and Aquarius moon. So I'm really muddy and airy. I mean, not, not even muddy. Mm. I am like earthy and airy and I have to really cultivate. I mean, I have some aspects in water and fire, but not a lot. And so I can be just really practical or really like visionary, like whimsical, but actually a good balance though. It can be, but crying is something I will dodge almost all the time. Like in therapy, Mm. if I cry, I'm like, good work. You did it. (laughs) You know, you did it. Um, (laughs) Or if I get fiery, if I like actually say like, you know, back the F off, you know, or something like that, then I'm like, woof, I did that. Yeah. (laughs) Who knew that was there? I know it's there, you know, cultivating fire and water, a part of my life. But um, somewhere in that time, I saw a life coach and um, also, I don't know if I read the fertility, you know, taking you know awareness, fertility awareness method book or whatnot, but I was beginning to, to track um, mm-hmm. just for myself. Mm-hmm. I think also I was sexually active then too, like, um, and I knew I didn't want to go back on birth control. Um, and I was tracking my cycles and getting to know my cervical fluid. I wasn't Mm -hmm. doing my temperature, um, but because I have, right, like kind of like the standard cycle, it was maybe it's easier to fall into a little bit. Again, much more heady, not really like, you know, sense of libido or sense of like, Mm. oh, this is my time for this (coughs) or my creative time or my inner time or whatever, but just like, oh. That's sticky. That's 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 it. That's it. That's cervical. You know. Yeah. That's that's me ovulating. Yeah. Um. That and then um, life coach. What do you want? What's your five year plan? And in my five year plan, I had this vision of waking up next to a person and a baby. Wow. And I was. I told everyone in my life, and that's what I do. I was like, check this out. I did this little hypnosis thing, and part of me wants to have a baby. Wow. And I really, really, what do I do with this, right? <laughs> I'm in the middle of my PhD program. Um, I'm dating someone, you know, and we have um, a, a great relationship where, but we're, you know, 
it's it's a very Gemini rising relationship. We travel a lot. We come back together. Mm. We travel and we come back together. We date. It's been so much fun. You know, fun, fun, fun. And a, and a great – how healing is that too? Yeah. And, I mean, a healing relationship with, um, with dating as like yeah. a fun experience and an enjoyable one, um, not a heavy one, not like one that has to be like connected to like – my whole life, you know, mm-hmm. oh, which is, you know, the mantra growing up was like, you date to get married, you know, you mm-hmm. court, you don't even date, you know. Yeah. That and a healing relationship with a person with a penis too, right? Like yeah. literally a healing relationship with intercourse because I had um, been, a, been in an abusive marriage that was violent on so many levels, but of course sexually too. So, um, and that being a norm kind of in the world that I grew up into, yeah. like normalized by people in my community. Ah, just mm. effed up, really. Healing, healing, healing. Life coach, baby, talking about it, finishing my PhD, um, still tracking my cycle, still being sexually active, and then um, getting a job, graduating. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. Getting a job at Dominguez Hills. Um from my connections and it feels as I tell a story and even my relationship with somebody, it was like, it's just kind of magical. That's how I feel like, yeah. you know, in so many ways, like, and, and seemingly easy. And I don't know, it feels like mm. as I say it, it was easy, but I don't, in the midst of it, it didn't seem easy. Of course not. Of course not. Um, and having my health benefits <laughs> and then feeling like, I think I'm ready. Like I even like, I had this moment when I was like, a moment when I was having sex and I was thinking, I think I'm ready. <laughs> I know. I don't know. I don't think I imagine like the babies, you know, how there's the, the idea that there's like, you know, new spirits out there, like spirits uh, longing for a body that's willing, you know, and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. But in retrospect, I imagine like that was one of these, like suddenly they're like there, yeah, she's yeah. ready. <laughs> she's ready. <laughs> and then, um, I was pregnant. Wow. And even then I was kind of like, I, I thought I was ready, but I don't know if I'm really ready. <laughs> Am I ready to have a baby? You know? Um, and then finding out that I just covered for maternity leave when I gave birth in September, you know, because I'd been uh, there a year. I was like, okay, well, that's pretty strategic, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And um, um, being 35 but 36 when I gave birth, mm. um, just feeling pretty ready and then you know being a researcher and um i was imagining you doing your research during your phd for you know for your child and for babies and stuff like that how how idyllic that just sounds like in the midst of writing your paper you're like oh my god okay i'm just gonna research you know that's exactly giving birth and stuff like that because that sounds so much better that is exactly <laughs> what happened i was i researched that yes. to procrastinate yes stuff i really had yes. to do i get a lot of stuff done when i have to write a paper you know a dissertation <laughs> totally um, so research, but actually I was beginning to research in a new way, which I had been doing during my mass, my, all my work, really my PhD, but was to reach out to the women in my community mm-hmm. because I, I wanted, I had read, um, anime, mm-hmm. um, and I'm, yeah, I, I think I have a midwife friend who gave it to me and some other things, you know, and yeah. I was aware that my own, my own mother's birth story is, um, traumatic if, I you know, she wanted a natural birth in the hospital only had my dad there yeah had a c-section grieves that you know things like that um um and i'm, I'm kind of like a hypochondriac too so i don't really want to give birth mm. in hospitals i just think yeah. i literally think a dead person wore this robe oh my gosh <laughs> a person dying <laughs> wow i i i mean i don't like hospitals either but yeah yeah i mean they're there for me to save my life you know yes, if our lives if needed but um and Wanted to work with a midwife and then recognized that I needed one with a birth center because at that time we were living on a sailboat. Do you know uh, this? In Ventura. Yeah, and I was teaching part time. A small 30 foot islander, uh, not enough space to give birth. Even though when I did find a midwife, she's like, we can give birth there. I was like, you're amazing. <laughs> I um, love it. I love it. Uh, I know. I, um, I began to ask where where are the midwives of color? Like, mm. where is a midwife that looks like me? And I'm not sure how that happened, but I feel like it just happened organically. And I asked a friend uh, who's given birth and is a woman of color, who was part of my women's circles before. I was like, I'm pregnant. And I think I asked a bunch of friends, actually. Mm. And where are the, you know, where are the midwives of color? 
And I got referred to what I believe was the only certified midwife of color no. with a birth center in LA at the time, Rochelle Lawler. And I am so grateful wow. to have found her. I went, um, we went to go see her. I remember feeling at home. I remember, and I think it's in contrast too, because I think I found her a few months uh, a month or so in. So maybe after I went to, I had Kaiser at the time, went to the Kaiser doctor. And, you know, a doctor visit like that is just a doctor visit. Yeah. It's something that you just think. Um, you know, I had no idea before, you know, giving birth that there are, you know, people you could go to who will let you place your speculum, you know, like, <laughs> like, sh- like, right. sh- like that. Like, like what? Yeah. Yeah. I know. Just like, nope, this is it. It might hurt a little or something like that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was just the norm. That was it. That's what you do. Yeah. You go to the doctor, they kind of treat you like a robot and they yes. like a number and you're good, you're bad, you're old, you're elderly, you're not, you're, you know, you need to do this, you need this. Here's all the things that could go wrong. Yes. Here's all the tests you should take because, you know, they don't say this, but the risk factor of you having, you know, a child with some abnormalities is just a inch over like the, you know, the the risks of these tests you know but they don't like break it down for that and um i remember just leaving thinking holy shit so many things can go wrong yeah oh my gosh wow yeah like what and then seeing my midwife and her being like you're perfect this is perfect Ugh. everything and this is what i want to hear my whole life actually so maybe this is why it's so healing and what i want all my partners and all my parents to say you know family to say everything is good everything is going to turn out okay wow you know like but just hearing that but also knowing that she comes from a lineage of midwives that she uh. knows what she's talking about also having enough interactions to know that if something weren't okay she would tell yeah. me straight up there, was there would trust. be no and I don't know how that came to, you know, that trust was built, but it, you know, I know how it's built. From these meetings you have with your yes. midwife regularly yes. where she actually touches base with you, like, how are you feeling today? Yes. You know? Um, <laughs> before, may I touch you? Yes. May I touch you? Or, I mean, just simple, I remember uh, I kind of had high blood pressure and instead of trying to, I don't know. I don't know. She just took much more care about it and like looked up all this stuff that I could do without having to do any kind of other intervention. Right. Trying, yeah. Like there's just much more investment. Right. Yeah. And I feel like through the first part of my pregnancy, I kind of did this thing because I wasn't sure if I needed to see a doctor at the same time as a midwife. I had the sense I needed to because um, she wasn't, um, um, what is it? A certified nurse, nurse midwife or something uh-huh. like that. And then finally coming to a crux, I was like, no, I don't need to see this doctor who thinks I have gestational diabetes. Um, I can just see my midwife who knows I don't, you know, and I'm, you know, and we're, we've, we're doing the same type of testing, right? Yeah. So, um, so just leaving the doctor, no, I don't even need to see you anymore. I mean, yeah. I did it. I went up, I went to see a doctor until we did the big, um, the big ultrasound. Oh, you the get 20 to see weeks. That, yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, I, maybe that, and maybe that was helpful for me because it was like, you're good to go. Everything yeah. looks good, right? And so then maybe that made me think, I am good to go. I don't need you, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I really don't. <laughs> I really don't. I needed this convincing. I'm good to go now with just my midwife. And with, through my midwife, I got connected to a doula. We hope you're enjoying listening to our episode and we will get back to part two in just a minute. We wanted to take this time to recognize our sponsors, including Carolina Adame, who has photographed us and helped us create an online image and presence. If you are ever looking for an amazing photographer, please check her out. She can be found on Instagram at Carolina Adame and on her website, carolinaadame.com. That's C-A-R-O-L-I-N-A-A-D-A-M-E.com. We'd also like to thank her husband, Esteban Adame, an amazing musician who created our intro music. We are grateful for his contribution to our work. And you can also find him on Instagram at Esteban Adame. If anyone else would like to become a sponsor in some way, either offering a service or a financial contribution, we are always open to those conversations. We make this podcast with love and as a service to our communities, but we do appreciate any support. 
You can contact us at lasdoctorasonline at gmail.com or you can follow us and DM us on Instagram at lasdoctoras. If you have enjoyed listening to our podcast, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. That will do a lot to get our work out there. Thank you so much. We appreciate all our listeners, all our followers, and we are so proud and happy to be doing this work. Now back to the episode. So you transitioned into um, just midwifery care, midwifery care, um, really recognizing the difference in the kind of care that you were receiving. Right. Just a shocking difference Mm. Um, around um, built upon a a relationship, right? And a holistic approach to care. So, um, yeah. So then when it um, came time to give birth, it was like September, you know, 21st, 22nd. Like how long, (laughs) how long did it take? It took, I had a 28 hour labor from, I would, I time it from the moment the uh, labor waves, you know, came and they didn't leave. There was a moment where they came after I climbed some stairs (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, whoa, that's what that feels like. That's a new feeling. Mm-hmm. And then it, and it went away for about a day and then it came back. Um, and so I time it from that when it didn't stop. Mm-hmm. I labored um, or like I, I let the birth waves come. I know I'm trying to change the language around it to labor and contraction, mm-hmm. you know, being a part of it. And I did listen, you know, to hypno babies and I did have like a hypno baby sleep through your, sleep through your, your waves, you know, and I tried to do that. <laughs> I, later on, discovering that maybe the baby was in a, a position where um, I was experiencing back labor and also um, that he, um, he wasn't positioned, like, what is it, LOA, left, like, down. Oh. And his, his he was a little bit back and also his chin was up. And for most of my whole labor, his arm was always by his face. And actually, that's how he ended up being born. <gasps> Cruz was born that way too. Just all chilling. <laughs> um, so, they call it something, don't they? Oh, do they? That's yeah, so I remember when Cruz was coming out and his hand was like that. They, they, I think they said stop, and I heard the midwife tell the midwife assistant some medical terminology for it. Oh wow! Yeah, I should look that up. Uh, so I had to. So it was more back to back than I imagined. I meant, and I remember thinking, "This is not what I." I, <laughs> I took a, a birth class, and I had yeah. a doula, and I had done reading with birthing from within, and all mm. these other texts, you know. And I was like, "I, I, I need my twenty minute break, people." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, not. To, and also the that day when I went. Um, that, that night, I still thought maybe this is going to go away. And I had a class to teach that day. And I still thought, I'm going to go and teach this class today. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I was like, wait, what, how far apart were your, your labor waves at this point? I mean, I think they probably were like 15 minutes or something like uh, that. But and I had, you thought you can get through a class that way. No, I thought they would, <laughs> they had gone away, right? That's uh, okay, a thing. They okay. had gone away and come back. Um, and I had done all this nesting to be ready. You know, we'd moved off a boat. Long story. Um, moved into a little little apartment, you know, and... Um, where we're at now. Where we're at now, which is so nice. And it's by the water. And I imagine, like, swimming in the water. <laughs> I imagine making art, you know, my birth <laughs> art. As I say this, I feel like I'm, like, sounds like Grace, Frankie, Frankie, uh, you know, from Frankie and Grace or something like that. Make birth arts, make a meal, like, and... Yeah. Um, it was just so overwhelming to me from the beginning, and I um, I was grateful to have um, to be able to call my doula to come over, and she helped um, use the rebozo and um, helped my partner like learn how to use that mm. with me to try to, again to get the baby to turn uh-huh. a little bit. Um, I think it was, you know, hours later that my midwife came, and then actually she stayed with me. I think longer than a midwife. Can, usually you know, does. usually does. They'll usually wait, kind of like when you go to the hospital, at, like whenever you're in transition or something like that. That's when mm-hmm. you go in, and then then she can be more helpful. But she stayed. Um, she helped. She you know made me climb the stairs to open up my pelvis, and um, <laughs> you know, and my doula helped me sit on the toilet and massage my back mm-hmm. and all these other things. Um, 
finally, I think I was fully dilated. And so um, they let me get into the tub that we had here. Mm-hmm. And it was a soft, like, shell tub. Yeah. Which I kind of think I'd love it if there was a little bit more hardiness there for me next to grab, if hold I, on if to. I did to hold yeah. on. In those moments, there were waves that came. And I was ha- I was trying to visualize my my you know my cervix expanding and <laughs> my uterus you know moving to uh-huh. help that expansion and there were moments I can testify no orgasmic birth here but um I did have moments where a, a wave came and I breathed into it and I was like intoning with my mouth <gasps> like and then like you know um where I just came uh-huh. and then I left I came and I was able to just like welcome it, and then yeah. it left. And I, I know in 28 hours, I, I would say that I don't know how many of those, but I, I can imagine like 10 percent of it was like that. And it made me and it, and it made me feel like every wave is an opportunity to trust and release and open up. Mm. But my whole life, I'd been taught not to do that, right? Yeah. Even when I teach my students, I tell them that I, the only thing I can compare a labor wave to or a wave contraction, if you will, is to needing to go poop when you're on a drive and you can't. So you have to (laughs) hold it. And it's it's painful, but it's just kind of like, whoo, awkward as heck, right? You're just like, and then you're like, okay, and then it comes and goes. So... Um, I just think that in that, in that space, it's like vulnerable space. Mm. And I know I was like, okay, this is an opportunity to welcome this. This is actually, don't clench. This is relax. And there were moments when I did. And then most of the time I was like, ah, you know, like, please, this is, and just like its own, like maybe. Um, journey, own yeah. like walk through the desert, if you will, own like kind of coming of age thing, really. Um, so at some point I was fully dilated, and um, I think she said I could push, and I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> I can do this." You know, I'm ready to actually not just let go, but actually like actually use my energy and I might have pushed a little bit um beforehand but I'm I'm not sure um Mm. because at some point I developed a lip and she said you need to relax um that's like uh it's like you know a lip is like around your cervix when you've been pushing in the position too long it will develop kind of like a a um a lip over the like a swelling I guess I don't know what I'm talking about now but yeah and so you have to pause it basically be Becomes firm. Yes. Not as um, maybe malleable or not as uh, able to open up. Yes. So then you, here's a couple options. And I think I took the option to relax in bed. I think I tried those anime like kisses. You know, you kiss your partner instead of oh. like a, instead of a breast pump or something like that. Yeah, it yeah. was like do some smooching. To, to get oxytocin. Yes. I was like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and kind of in the middle of that. Uh, my water broke finally. It hadn't, it hadn't broke um, until that moment. Oh. Um, so I think after that is when it just got real, you know. Um, and in the next, I think, few hours, I think I pushed it actually a little long for me. And they did give me a Pitocin shot, you know, afterwards uh-huh. um, to help um, maybe calm the bleeding down. I guess that's what it is. Yeah. Um, but soon after that, it just got real. I mean, I, my doula was a... A, a photographer too so I have pictures of it being real <laughs> like my early pictures of me like breathing in my birthing ball climbing the stairs and I look like kind of together in those photos like towards the end I'm just like whoa this is this is this is it yeah whoa yeah sitting on the birthing stool like trying to like you know um, I remember my midwife's putting her hand somewhere where she's like you need to push here you know concentrate your energy here and that was so helpful and really the whole time what i think was super helpful was having my midwife my doula and there was a midwife's assistant and they just looked like they were like in the best place they could be yeah and i was like you loved this yeah and they're like yeah I was like, wow. you i think it's so important because their calm energy 
like you feed off of that versus feeding off any kind of like urgent or, you know, scary energy. Oh my goodness. The calm and also this sense of this is the most important place I could be. This is important. Mm -hmm. I think both of that left me with a sense of yes. Yeah. I'm here. If drugs were around the corner, I might take them. (laughs) But what else can I have? Wine. Okay, give me that glass of wine. I put on some workout music before I had like some ethereal music playing. I was like, <laughs> you gotta turn on the workout music now. Where you're like, That's I need to be in my zone or something like that. It's so interesting. I was the same way uh, for cruises. It was like, yeah, like the la 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 music. And then she's yeah. like, we need some like, and I was like, okay, put on some Shakira. <laughs> <laughs> And that was my, like, let's do this. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love that so much. Um, And I think there was a moment when I finally did, like, let go. And I was like, and it kind of was a little despairing. I wasn't ever afraid, like, of an emergency. I wasn't, Mm. I didn't think, I knew, again, that if something went wrong at all quickly, I would know, she would know, even before then. And they were... But there was a moment where I was just like, I'm always going to be here. I'm in like purgatory (laughs) or limbo (laughs) Um, or something. And I just kind of gave in to it maybe. uh I'm not sure. But very like soon after that, which is like kind of what life is like, my midwife was like, all right, reach down and grab your baby. And I was just like, what? (laughs) I mean, I I guess I was really in a a zone, you know, or something. And um I mean, this is the moment I remember perhaps the most clearly, Mm. which is kind of, and again, in the world that we live in, this is an amazing moment to have. I reached down, I grabbed my baby, and I was just like, I mean, talk about oxytocin and all of the amazing hormones in that moment just going off, just being like, life-changing moment, this is what you look like, and like, I remember saying like, my baby, my baby, (laughs) something like that, pulling him, you know, up his um, umbilical cord. It was a was a little sh- shorter actually, which is uh-huh. interesting. Um, so I couldn't nurse him like immediately. Yeah. I had to wait for the placenta to release. Oh right, right. And um, but um, once it did, I held him. The midwife helped me latch. You know, mm-hmm. we were nursing mm-hmm. almost immediately. Mm-hmm. He um, was just right there next to me, covered with all of that good stuff that he's supposed to be covered in. You know, with us lying in the bed, well, maybe me, they changed the sheets, they cleaned my house. <laughs> when they left, it, you could not tell that someone gave birth here. Mm-hmm. Um, and my partner was actually holding him at the time, the baby at the time, and so I got to cut the cord. We waited for it mm-hmm. to stop pulsing. And then maybe what was really awesome, when my parents came next, and that was great. And um, the next day they came back to check on me, all of them. And we, like, had a debrief, like, had, a, like, a little, wow. let's talk about the birth, you know, let's do it. And just Or it just happened naturally, like, hey, we're here to do the different things and check up. And we just talked about it, and it was, it was so great. It was, like, reliving, like, I don't know, like, you know, I was a cheerleader. Like a cheerleading the competition or something like that. <laughs> or, like, something that we did, right? Yeah. How did that go? You know, how did that feel? Like, yeah. And in a, in a way that was felt successful mm. and proud. I remember looking at my uh, midwife's IG feed, and she said, like, I was a lioness of a mother, like, and stuff. And I was just like, oh, I feel <laughs> this just feels like the world. And, of course, getting back to my body and my relationship, I had actually put on quite a lot of extra weight. Yeah. And I think in a, and not in a bad way, just in a way that's me. I, I, before I probably drank mostly coffee and lived off of that. And yeah. uh, when I got pregnant, I was like, okay, I need to turn up the protein. Yeah. Um, when I had a little, um, sickness, morning sickness, she's like, you need not more iron in your diet. Mm. And so I'm more protein. So I just amped that up and then I went away. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, experiencing a birth, this whole new relationship with my my body, my vagina, and like just like my feeling of like how I handle <laughs> how I handle pain. Yeah. And um, I just want to say that as we're <laughs> as 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 Christina's sharing this beautiful story, her now three year old baby is 
breastfeeding, <laughs> which I think is actually very beautiful. Yes. To be telling the story Thank and him you. kind of connected to you. Yeah. He asked me the other day, how did I get in um, your room, Mama? Mm. Mm. I told my students that story started. Anyways, <laughs> they were like, you did not tell him about the womb and the uterus and the everything. I was like, sure I did. It's not, I mean. What else a, am I going to say? It's not really. It's a simplified. It's really simple. Oh, super simplified. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe not completely correct. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, you know, post giving birth, you got to go pee. I could go pee, mm. which was nice. But I remember thinking, wow, <clears throat> that's what that's like. <laughs> um, I did tear, but, um, my midwife said that if I stayed in bed, which I was supposed to do for six weeks, but also I just kept rested and kept my legs mm. together, my body would naturally heal. And it did. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's it. I think it's a story, in wi- and then we went to her for updates and stuff like that. It's a story that I feel um, you know, necessita- necessitates me talking about the way I navigate pain and vulnerability and the and the way that it comes up in a birth. So it's not like yeah. orgasmic and perfect and it was yeah. simple and, and it makes me want to go back and do many more cat cows before I give birth, like to get the baby in the right position so maybe it's a lot faster. Yeah. Um, but... I think the overall themes are I had people with me that respected me and listened to me. And I always felt centered, not rushed. Mm-hmm. And, and my body, and like, just reminded to trust my body again and again. Yeah. Since giving birth, I um, have had, my cycle came back. I want to say I, I nursed. You know, and I continued to, to breastfeed, but um, I went back to work at four months. And I think about that time, I, I didn't, hadn't done the reading around, like, you you need to make sure that it's under four, four hours or something like that to keep, like, there's, like, a technique of keeping your cycle at bay a little uh, longer. Uh, um, <coughs> uh-huh. Um, and I didn't, I, I think I didn't, I was gone for like five hours at one time, whatever. Mm. So I came back, I think relatively early and maybe relatively early is like six months. Some people cycle. Okay. Come and I was like, oh, and I mean, it had been like a long time. Yeah. Over, like a I year mean, and over, a half yeah, of yeah. not having a, a, a moon cycle. Like it was like, oh, you're back. <laughs> um, and I think with that came... Again, an ease to it for me, the same that I experienced before. Um, but some differences I have noted um, in these last three years post-birth is that when I'm ovulating, I mean, I, I really feel it. I talked about it with you a lot. I'm like, whoa, my sex drive is real right now. Fascinating. You know? And maybe also um, during my moon, that feeling of fullness before the feeling of mm. um kind of like an, an emptiness like a need to like like needing warmth needing like you know yeah. surroundings when i'm when you're you're shedding and it's coming you know I, th- I think there is something there and also i just feel like my body i'm 40 this year really tells me you know it speaks to me more clearly i think yeah. than it did when i was 20 um you know, I was talking about at the beginning, like the beginning um, of my life and like this 30 day, 30, day, 30 years and then like these next, these last 10 years since I, since I turned 30, since I started going to this PhD program, since I was a part of more women's circles. So since I came, I was speaking to this and I, as an, you know, my identity as a woman of color, mm-hmm. um, really connecting to my Latina, Latinx and my Filipina, you know. Yeah. I roots like um, something here, um, you know, post birth and my relationship with my cycle. It's still there's just still so much more that yeah. I can know and um, trust mm-hmm. and affirm within that for me. And I feel like that's kind of where I am in this moment. Like outlining my calendar, so it's like not just like this is what's happening this week, blah blah blah, but. I am, you know, post pre ovulation, right? Or I am coming into like this, um, my moon time. So I need to. How can I be creative about my planning? You know, right? Um, I mean, I love how you speak to. I'm here. I'm bleeding. I need. I'm going to take it slow. Yeah. I I <laughs> need to do that, and I need to do it in a way that even like kind of for myself because I'm such a. 
I need time to transition into it. Yeah. And then to actually, maybe because of the way I grew up, like, speak to my needs. I need to, like, pause and think about it and, like, oh, this is a need, you know, and, like, mm-hmm. and then say it out loud. Um, I have been collecting some menstrual blood. Every now and then there was a, a moon circle that um, I was a part of and um, being a part of circles that are affirming of this work that we're doing too on an academic level or an and a personal level and like and that spiritual level too that yeah. we were talking about. Yeah. Um all of it I think is is healing. And I like to also think that it took thirty years, thirty years of my life was and lived in such a way that I could allow myself thirty years, you know, to mm-hmm. kind of heal and to recover kind of another type of cycle you know I think that's it yeah is that it (laughs) I think in me hearing your story I in the birthing process you learn so much about yourself right like Mm -hmm. we learn so much about ourselves and we learn truly how much we can handle and you know and talk about really pushing our bodies to their physical limits Mm -hmm. you know and thinking and I think both having moments where you think can we do this or you know, you're, there's no more present you can be than when you are in pain, you know. Yeah. Um, but also knowing that this will end, like <laughs> the baby's coming out one way or another. Yeah. Um, but then at the end, really looking back and being able to see, wow, I did that. Yeah. You know, I, I did that. And I think something else that really comes up for me in talking about this is to look at both our experiences and forever, for however, they had their differences and forever, you know, every pregnancy, every birth is different. Um, but at the end we look back on it with like a positive mm-hmm. understanding of it, like a mm-hmm. taking away positivity. Mm-hmm. And it makes me, obviously it makes me happy to know that. But then I hear so many other people tell stories of their birth with a much more negative recollection of it Mm -hmm. you know obviously there's a lot of birth trauma Mm -hmm. and so for me it just reminds me that actually our stories are the anomalies Mm -hmm. ours we like i literally say wow i was lucky to have had the experience that i had and i i have to in that way be extra grateful you know to to know that i had you know, the experience that I had. And, you know, obviously it speaks to a lot of larger issues, you know, mm-hmm. of, of why that is and, and, you know, the privilege of being able to have that kind of birth experience. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, but I think it gets back to um, the work that we've been doing, right, in terms of really having these deeper conversations about our cycles, having these deeper conversations about our relationship to our bodies, um, and then in conjunction with, social justice issues, right, yeah. in conjunction with these larger systems of oppression. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the very least, us telling these stories, um, you know, I think it's it's telling history. You know, we mm-hmm. our, our stories become a part of, like, the collective history, you know. Yes. Um, and I think, and our stories also stand as possibilities. Yes. Right, like, this is what birth can look like. Yes. And maybe this is what we want to hope birth can look like for much more people. Yes. You know? Um, and so I think that, yeah, for me and hearing you talk about your experience, that's what it brought up to me. It reminded me that how lucky we are to have had these experiences, but yes. how much work we have to do to make sure that that becomes the norm, you know? And I think... You know, had there been a podcast, I wonder if I had listened to it. You know, or something like that. Yeah. Because really, I called up a friend, a friend, a friend. You yeah. know, like it. It took searching. Yeah, it, it was or using, like reading. It was using find, my like, research skills. Yes, you know, to be able to know what my options were. Yes, it just wasn't laid out there. Yes, um, as vulnerable as that was, I think that it feels super important to be able to to put that out there. Yeah. And I, I really hope it connects with. Um, the people that are listening to this and yeah, 
And I do, I want to say that too. Um, I remember after people would tell me, oh, you need to like write your story, you know, so you can remember your birth story. And in, in thinking today, I was like, wow, we're documenting our birth stories, right? That maybe yeah. our children will be able to listen to so that they can hear the story of their birth, you yes. know, in this. And it's documented, right? It's, yes. it's here for, you know. I don't know. It becomes it becomes a historical artifact. <laughs> you know, they you know, like we yeah. have pictures that <laughs> that we may not want to share, but they can yes. come back and listen to this these episodes and um yeah, I don't know. I think that's cool. That that might be a gift for our kids to be able to hear our voices tell the story of their births. Mm, I love that. Yeah. It is something I want to actually tell him every year on his birthday sometime, <laughs> but I'm not sure yeah. how. Yeah. I think when they get an age that it means something to them. Right, yeah. 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 Well, that was great. Yes. And I think, you know, just recapping and back going back to your story, thank you for sharing it. Thank you mm. for offering me this opportunity. I think I think that I wouldn't be telling it had you not. Like, I said, mm. we need to do it. <laughs> and I was like, yes, you're right. We do need to do it. And yeah. I hope that this um, helps people relate to us more yeah. in, in different ways, too. And um, I kind of want to transition to, and, you know, if you like our podcast, <laughs> leave us a review. Yes. <laughs> and, and tell a friend. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, you know, ultimately it comes from a place of being grateful. Like we, we, we um, you know, we feel um, passionate about doing this podcast and we're grateful for anybody who's listening to us. And um, we hope that anyone who enjoys it will like you said, leave us a review <laughs> <laughs> so we can continue doing this, you know, yes. we can continue. Um, yeah. And, and I think also that actually gives us a way to communicate with those who are listening to the podcast. We, it's hard for us to know who's listening to it. We, we don't really, yeah. you, we can look up sort of how many people have listened to it, but we don't know actually who these people are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you leave us a review, we can, we can connect with you. It gives us a way to maybe connect to who's listening to us. And um, maybe it can give us guidance on what kinds of conversations people want to be having. Totally. Yeah. That too. So thanks Thank for being you. here. <laughs> Bye. Adios. <laughs>